we are trying to do good and we're trying to do it from a loving place just to make sure that mom and dad have what they need. When you're a caregiver and you're constantly providing care, if you start not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to care for that other person. Hi there, welcome to another episode of This Day and Age where we bring together experts in all things aging from Holland Home, Faith Hospice, and Atrial Home Care. We do this to give you important information needed to help you and your loved ones make confident decisions while navigating life's journey. I'm your host, Phil Tower, and it's a pleasure to be with you for every one of these episodes. You know, when it comes to getting started with senior care, whether it's in-home or at a senior living, in-home care rather, or at a senior living community, having that conversation, in fact, we've touched about this in our previous episodes, having that conversation with your aging loved one can be the hardest part. It oftentimes is, it's oftentimes delayed, But in this episode, boy, oh boy, do we have helpful resources for you. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by social workers Denise Brown with Howland Home and also Sherry Greenbaum of Atrio Home Care. They are here. They are my guides and your guides to help give some very helpful tips on how to have that hard conversation for mom or dad or maybe both mom and dad and make it a lot easier for you and your loved ones. Interesting points here as we start this episode, and I'll welcome Sherry and Denise in just a moment. Did you know that family members, this is really striking statistics, did you know family members spend an average of 24.4 hours a week caring for their mom, dad, or spouse, and one in four spend 41 hours or more? And I think both of us, all of us know That's a full-time job. It really is. And then some. While caring for a loved one is something a lot of people are not only willing but really want to do. Some feel called to do it. Balancing that care on top of work and life in general is very tough. And it's especially difficult when we acknowledge this reality. A survey conducted by AARP shows that 9 out of 10 of those aging adults, that's our moms and dads, aunts and uncles, they want to live and age well in their homes and do that as long as possible. So Denise Brown, Sherry Greenbaum, welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. You've heard this all before, right? Absolutely. (laughs) A resounding yes. I want to have this conversation and basically talk about, as, as I mentioned, a really tough question. I'm going to start with you, Denise. Um, you have a role where you are a social worker. You're both great social workers for Holland Home and Atrio Home Care, respectively. But you were telling me uh, before we started this episode this morning that you, you have 400 independent living people that you serve as a social worker. Yes. So Raybrook of Holland Home has different um, areas, estates one, estates two, estates three in the homes. And in the area, there are about 400 residents um, that I see and help as their needs um, come up. Whatever, sometimes it's as small as figuring out transportation, and sometimes it's as large as the whole big aging in place picture. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know you get a lot of questions. First of all, I'm looking at you going, how do you manage that with 400 people? I'm sure you do it skillfully and amazingly well. Is there a really common question you get asked most often by these people? 
the most common question once people have moved in is who decides if I have to move? Who mm. makes that decision? Um, and the correct answer is it's a team decision between family, whatever services are in, be it from Atrio Home Care, myself, um, have an interdisciplinary way of meeting and figuring out what the best way to meet those needs are. Yeah. And you know what? You just identified something which is at the core of this is nobody wants to lose their independence. Uh, I'm looking at you, Sherry Greenbaum. You are a social worker and you are in the home for atrial home care. Do you agree with what Denise just said? Yeah. Yeah. When I am in on a case, um, we coordinate together. Um, you know, being out in the community, I work with not only Holland Home, but lots of other facilities as well. Mm -hmm. I always try to identify what the existing resources are. Does the facility have a social worker? Not all of them do. Interesting. So, um, so Holland Home's actually very, very fortunate to have a social worker for independent living, assisted living, and skilled nursing. So they have social workers for all levels, and not all facilities do. So in those events where they don't have a social worker, then oftentimes my role is greater in those situations. Yeah, and that's a good point because I, I think everybody... Everybody listening to us understands that uh, social workers play a lot of different roles. A lot of times they may be the only friend or resource that these people have, Denise. And I know with your work as a social worker in the home, sure, you probably feel that way as well because every family is involved to a different degree. Would you not agree? Yes. Yep. Um, it's all different. Um, you know, some people have great family support and family kind of coming out of the woodworks to help out in any way that they can. And then other people, some people really don't have that family support. And then that's when the community resources kind of um, come into play. But if they don't have our services, how do they find out about those community resources? Yeah, and let's set the stage again, as we said at the top of this episode. This is about having that hard question for mom and dad or mom or dad as to whether or not they can remain in the home or they, some people are just voluntarily, hey, I want to go into a senior living facility where I can graduate through those different levels of care. But it is a tough question. It's a question that some people don't even want to deal with and we can touch on that in a moment but I want to go back to something you said Denise and Sherry you guys tag team together which has got to be yes. fun complimentary how does that process look like when a person you know presents with this question or willingly ask this question um, how do you guys work together I'll start with you Denise um, just recently we had a couple that needed um, some help and Unfortunately, people don't have these conversations soon enough, um, and it sometimes results in catastrophic events happening. Yeah, falls. Um, and, falls, different yeah. things like that. Um, and Sherry and I both got called in um, because it was a situation that needed to be taken care of right away. Um, and we talk back and forth and who's going to do what. Um, in this situation, it was about moving to another level of care within Holland Home. So I picked that up and went with it. Um, oftentimes, if Sherry is 
already involved, then Sherry will pick it up and run with it. It's just uh, whatever works best at the time. Yeah. And when you get on the phone or have that conversation with Denise, Sherry, what are some of the common elements that you have to talk about and decide, and sometimes really quickly? Um, Mostly you know, for one, are you already involved with this family? Do you already have that relationship? Because if Denise has already worked with them and has built up that relationship with the family, it doesn't make sense for me to step in. Um, So that's probably the first thing that I say. And then we always say, okay, you know, just so that you know, this is what our therapists are seeing. This is what the physical therapist saw. This is what the occupational therapist saw. These are their recommendations so that we're just all kind of on the same page. Or if they have nursing, are they having a hard time managing their medications or remembering to take their medications? Because that might be an indication of, okay, can we get some paid caregivers in there to do it? Or is it time to look into that next level of care? Because in assisted living, that's just something that's provided. So it's really looking at, like Denise said, the interdisciplinary team, what's going on, what are the needs, um, are family aware of those needs, and are there already relationships in place that can help us kind Mm -hmm. of come to a group decision of what to do next. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that Denise, you already touched on is oftentimes that conversation of independent living with some in-home care or, or, you know, you know, living in your home, I should say, versus maybe living in a, uh, situation with an in-home care person, that conversation often doesn't happen in a lot of families, but let's talk about the timing, if you will. Are there some tips that people listening to us, some clues, some things that they can be observing about mom and dad or mom or dad in the home to help them say, you know what, it's time we sit down and have that conversation. Sure. The first thing I want to say is that it's never too early to have that conversation. (laughs) Yes. Um, When your parents are aging, and as we all age, we go through changes, either physical changes, cognitive changes, um, and it's never too soon to have that conversation. I meet with people as they move into Raybrook, and encourage them at that moment, especially if we know that one is a caregiver, to start planning. What's your plan? If we run into an emergency situation or something catastrophic happens, what is your plan? Let's start planning now so that we don't end up in a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I encourage it from the beginning. Try to help them get things in place. If If they don't have a durable power of attorney, to help make decisions, help get those things in place for them. That's a great point. Um, to get everything down the road to run a little bit more smoothly. So everyone, including the children, if there are um, children's nieces and nephew involved, then everybody knows what the plan is. Mm-hmm. And if there are children involved, do you sometimes see other family relatives, uh, brothers and sisters who kind of advocate for that person? Often we have several um, residents who are single, never married. Um, and usually it, it's because of their age, brothers and sisters are no longer with us. So mm-hmm. they rely on nieces and nephews. Um, I have worked with a couple of people who were single, never married, had no family, had no, were only children. Um, and that is a completely different kind of challenge. 
you know, I want to talk about having that conversation and, and specifically we want to help you, those who are listening to this, um, kind of be well prepared for that. Uh, it is never too early, as you just heard Denise say, to have that conversation. In fact, ideally should be talking about this before that fall, before that, you mentioned that crisis situation where you have to call in, where you have to come into the situation and help out and, and assess some things pretty quickly. What are some tips, and I'll turn to you, Sherry Greenbaum, what are some tips for listeners that you can give them in terms of preparing them for that conversation with mom and dad? Because oftentimes there's a lot of reluctance there. Let's just deal with that or just absolutely push back. No, I'm fine. I just stumbled, that kind of thing. What do you recommend to kind of get ready for that conversation? Well, I think the biggest thing is to, for children, talking to their parents would be let them know how you really feel. Um, if it comes from a place of mom, dad, like, you know, I know that you feel like you just stumbled, but these are the things that I've noticed that's been happening. And this is really scary for me. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Um, I want to follow what your wishes are. I know you want to be as independent as possible. Um, so, Luckily, if they have our services in place, our team have probably already identified, um, hopefully, that those conversations need to happen and they get me involved. And I kind of act as a catalyst for that. When I set up my um, visits or appointments with people, I always encourage family involvement. So I'm sitting there with the client, with the family, having these conversations of, um, you know, how is everybody feeling? Okay, I'm hearing that their son or daughter is their primary caregiver. They're helping with X, Y, and Z. How are you feeling? Like I, I asked them, how are you feeling? Is this becoming overwhelming for you? Do you... That's insightful. Do you need to, um, you know, do we need to look into getting additional care in the home to give you breaks? Because when you're a caregiver and you're constantly providing care, if you start not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to care for that other person. Yeah, so making sure that they, they know, oh, you know, there are community resources where you can get free help in the home through the Kent County Senior Millage. There are services through the VA. There are lots of different community resource options. So that's my role is to say, look at the big picture of the situation, sit down with everybody, have those difficult conversations, and really kind of come from a place of care and heart and encouraging encouraging everybody to talk about how they really feel and what their goals are. What are your goals? What do you, if, okay, if you want to stay in your home for as long as possible, and my therapists are noticing that doing the laundry is becoming difficult, well, let's focus in on that. What resource can we get in place to maybe help out with that? And another big point is that I always try to bring up to people, especially if they have children that are providing a lot of care, is that if you do get these resources in place, then your your loved ones can just be your loved ones yeah, and have some time to just be your loved one. 
That is uh, Sherry Greenbaum. She's a social worker with Atrio Home Care. We're also with Denise Brown, social worker with Holland Home. In this episode of This Day and Age, as we talk about having the conversation with your loved one, and I think one of the things that you've kind of touched on, which is really, really important, you guys, uh, I'll ask this both of you, you need family members, you need that loved one to be observant. It can't just be you're visiting every six or eight weeks. You really can't kind of observe those stumbles or, hey, you haven't been dressing the same lately or your hygiene is slipping or the laundry is piling up. There has to be more of those touch points with a loved one. Would you not agree, Denise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Family of aging parents, the children need to be as involved as they can be. Um, and, and I respect the fact that a lot of us are in the sandwich generation where we have aging parents and we're raising children and working and doing all of those things. But, you you know, seeing mom and dad once a week goes a long way um, versus the family that shows up at Christmas time and goes, oh, my gosh, what happened in the last year? Yeah. They need to move immediately. So the more involved the family is and the more they know that they can reach out to Sherry and myself as a resource, and then we can guide them on how to get the other resources that they need, the better off it is for everyone, including um, their mom and dad. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that you can be that advocate for your parent, even if you're not right there. Even if you're not going, you know, to see them that often because there are other ways to do it. You could have other people checking in on them. You could be involved with a primary care physician and you can do that. Like I've had people be people's durable power of attorney that are out of state and they just become more inventive with how they're involved. Yeah. So that's really important to think about. Like you don't necessarily have to do that physical um, visit per se, but making sure that you're advocating in all ways that you can communicating with the primary care physician is key. That's usually how we, we, well, home care gets involved in lots of different ways. Um, but there, there are definitely ways that you can do it um, where, you know, in particularly like, for example, you're out in the community um, and you go to your doctor's appointment. You, you now have discovered that your parent is homebound. They can no longer get out of the home. Home care gets involved. Our team can go and assess and figure out the situation. Um, so, and knowing the resources too that are available and out there is really, really key. But you can do that role and become inventive. I've had, I've had um, people's family that live out of state get video cameras. That's a great point. We do have technology. You know, yes. we, if you have a mom and dad or a mom or dad who can answer, you know, the phone or you can use Alexa with a video, and there's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, but just being more aware and, and, and touching base more often, like you said, having somebody locally who can check on them is really big. And, and probably most importantly, we even touched on this. We're all different, as you said so aptly, Denise, a lot of us are raising our own kids, working, you know, dual income house. It gets life gets really busy, really messy. Don't lose your cool with mom and dad. Don't go on the attack because you're going to lose them right there. Yeah. Anytime you put 
Well, anybody, but especially an elderly person on the defense, you know, and you corner them, they're going to come out swinging and they're not going to want to do anything that you suggest. You know, what when you sit down um, and do it in a kind and loving way and express your concern, it goes a lot farther um, mm. than being um, atta- feeling like they're being attacked. Right. Saying mom and dad, you need help. You can't do this on your own. The house is a mess versus, hey, did you know we can get you help? Big difference. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, mm-hmm. you know, like I think you were saying this, Sherry, just in a loving way, almost saying, hey, do you trust me? I really want to help you with this. You know, that that goes a long way versus, and again, we're human. You're going to lose your cool, but this is a place where you really have to, you know, and if a person of faith, say a little prayer before you walk in the door, before you pick up the phone, be prepared, walk through that conversation in your head and consult with other family members before you just kind of like a bull in a china shop go in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And often, um, you know, I'm sure Sherry does the same thing. We facilitate those family meetings so that there is someone there that can kind of keep a wrap on things and not let things get out of control or anybody lose their temper um, yeah. and keep everybody focused on. We are trying to do good and we're trying to do it from a loving place um, just to make sure that mom and dad have what they need. You know, uh, Sherry, uh, you talked about having the conversation. Sometimes those adult children uh, are out of state, but I want to talk about the process of actually having the conversation with your loved one uh, about aging in place in their home, or maybe they want to move to a senior living facility. Uh, I would think that is a conversation, if at all possible, you want to have in person. Would you agree? It just depends on you know, if it's going to cause you so much stress, I mean, some people just can't. So, you know, oftentimes what I will do is be like, oh, you know, I know your son or daughter want to be present. I'm going to put them on speakerphone, Um, you know, or, you know, oh, they, they do are, they are able to come in. And then I always make sure that I'm available (laughs) when they're, when they're coming in from out of state. Um, Another big key factor here is let's say the person doesn't have home care services um, currently and they're not associated with the facility. What do they do? How do they get help for their loved ones? A good starting point might be a doctor's appointment. Oftentimes your, your doctor's offices, you know, they now have care managers that can help out um, and, and start these conversations as well. And then maybe that doctor can assess and see, you know, if there was a fall or so with home care, we're getting people who are kind of not in a great spot. They've had a fall. They need that therapy, that physical therapy or occupational therapy because they've broken a bone. Um, they're coming from the hospital. They're sick. Um, but sometimes it's from the primary care physician because we recognize, okay, this person is homebound and they need this help. Um, so just knowing that if you're not sure where to turn, you could always turn to the primary care physician, Mm -hmm. the regular doctor's office to kind of, um, have a starting point. And then there's always area agency on aging as well out in the community that can point people in the right direction as well. You're right. That doctor could be a great advocate for what you are trying to convince your loved one, your mom or dad, or both of them of. And, and really, as we look at this, that having the conversation 
with that loved one, whether it's stay in the home or, you know, make that transition to a senior living community, you, you really want to be thinking that through. And as you just said, Sherry, that might be an option. It doesn't always present itself where you can have it in person. And I, I think, again, making sure you're talking with other family members. Um, but just knowing, I think, as we kind of close out this conversation, knowing that the earlier you can do it, the better. Being observant, like we talked about. Looking at, you know, can they walk from room to room without falling? Are they able to go out and get the mail? Um, can they cook their own meals? Or are they maybe skipping too many meals? Can they do their laundry? And, and things like, hey, are they staying in bed a lot longer? Maybe they're having a problem getting out of bed. I've had that happen to family members. And, you know, if the dress, their appearance suddenly looks markedly different, they may be having a problem, you know, if they're in their pajamas, they can't dress themselves mm. as well. You know, tying exactly. shoes, buttoning buttons. These are all the little things you need to look for, right, Denise? Exactly. And, you know, hygiene, um, it gets harder to get even in and out of the bathtub, um, whether their clothes are clean, whether they're, you know, um, I always look for weight. Weight is a big thing if they're losing weight because, um, you know, then they're not eating yeah. what they should be. And all of those little things add up to the big picture. You know, there's a beautiful thing with that partnership between Holland Home and Atrio Home Care. One of the things, just real quickly, we haven't touched on, and I, I know you'll have an answer to this, is if there are some memory issues with this loved one, I mean, you guys are experts in that area. You have resources you can bring into the family to help assess that. Yeah, we, we at Holland Home have um, the Dementia Coalition I can reach out to. They do education with family. Um, we have lots and lots of resources um, for people who are trying to do the care in home. Um, and Atria will often come in and help us assess that. Um, speech therapy does, and occupational therapy can do all the cognition testing that we need done. And um, so there are lots of resources to find out exactly where we are to determine what exactly we need to do. Very reassuring to know. Uh, I'm going to give each of you a chance to have a final thought on this, having that tough conversation. Um, Sherry, I'll start with you. Any final words of wisdom for those listening to us? Maybe now compelled enough to start that process? I think it's, you know, sometimes we think about this big, huge conversation, and sometimes it, it does look like that. But other times it could look like plant those little seeds, when things happen, say, oh, you know, this happened, you know, can I help? Just continue to offer that help mm -hmm. and that love and that support. And, and eventually, sometimes with, you know, people who are hard nuts to crack, <laughs> eventually those little seeds, especially if you, you know, are coming from a place of love and you're trying to get these resources in place, you're talking, you're being an advocate, you're talking to the doctors, the healthcare providers, things like that. You know, if you're all kind of mentioning the same things and know too, you know, as a caregiver, you have to take care of yourself too. Yeah. And, and just be honest, if you can't, if, if you can't provide that care anymore and it's too much for you, you have to be honest and set those healthy boundaries with your loved ones as well and say, 
this is too much. What can we put in place to try to help this situation so that I can be your son or daughter or niece or nephew and and we can spend some quality time together and I'm still willing to help you, but let's let's figure out what we can do to make everybody's life the best that it can possibly be. Yeah, be honest. And as you said, there's great wisdom in this, Sherry. Do it incrementally if you need to. Just kind of start dropping those thoughts, those things to ponder for your loved one. Uh, Denise? Um, I think Sherry said that so well, and I think that I would go back to the caregiver and um, the caregiver needs to know that there are resources out there because what usually happens is it's the caregiver who ends up in distress, not the patient themselves because they're doing 40 hours of care a week. Um, And you can't do that without some support. Um, If it's a spouse, if it's a child, getting other family members, knowing who to reach out to, um, and concentrating on, as Sherry said, relationships rather than being just the caregiver. Um, That's the point that I try to get to all the caregivers is you have to take care of yourself and do some self-care as well. Very well said. I want to thank both of you, Denise Brown, social worker, with Howland Home and also Sherry Greenbaum, a medical social worker with Atrio Home Care. Thank you both for enlightening us on this really important issue. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So now we kind of look at that point where if you are suddenly feeling a lot of this sounds familiar, I am confident that you may be living through this and, and maybe go, okay, I need to I need to get some help. Maybe you know someone who is living through this. We hope you will share this episode with them. If you know that overburdened caregiver, this is a great resource to share with them, to listen to. Uh, Even more, we hope you'll subscribe to our This Day and Age podcast for more information to help you navigate this journey called life with your loved ones. There are a lot of great resources in all of our episodes. You can also look for additional resources at Atria Home Care, .org and hollandhome.org. Trust me, those are awesome websites and they are full of just about every answer to just about every other question you can have. And until next time, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for joining us for this day and age. I'm Phil Tower. We'll see you again real soon. <music>